I'm Eva Hennig. I'm a consultant medical oncologist here in uh, Nottingham University Hospital. So my name is Saoirse O'Sullivan and I'm an associate professor at the University of Nottingham. So I'm David Walker. I'm a paediatric oncologist. I work as the professor of paediatric oncology. I'm Pavel Gershkovich, Dr. Pavel Gershkovich from uh, School of Pharmacy, University of Nottingham. Hello, I'm Sean Colton and I'm one of the Teenage Cancer Trust Youth Support Coordinators here in Nottingham. So my name is Joe Poole. I'm the Teenage Cancer Trust Lead Nurse for the East Midlands. We'd noticed that quite a few young people were asking about cannabis or cannabis oil. They were obviously getting information from lots of different places. So some people were seeing information about cannabis oil on Facebook or the social media and thinking that maybe it would cure their cancer. Um, so, so I think we're, we're seeing it actually in, in lots of different groups of people. It, it's, we see it much more in, in palliative patients. Yeah, so I mean, I'm not an expert on the legal side, but uh, we can prescribe drugs if there's an indication. And in this country, if we prescribed a cannabis type drug for a prescription and you say, I've got this prescription, I take this drug, then you wouldn't be breaking the law. If, you, however, you buy the cannabis which contains uh, the, the element of cannabis that is considered illegal, if you possess it or buy it or sell it to other people, that is breaking the law as I understand it. We owe it to them to give them the right information and to, and to ensure that they're not vulnerable. So I'm a paediatrician and I'm paid to be ageist uh, and I treat people under the age of 18. And of course, um, the whole role, the whole acceptability of cannabis is something that's generally accepted for people who make their own decisions about their lives. And the age at which you do that, officially in the law, is 16 upwards. So the whole issue of whether you use cannabis in a minor, that is somebody under the age of 16, is entirely unexplored. If a parent gives cannabis to their child and they obtain it illegally, then that brings them into the equation of administration. And that puts us as doctors in a particularly difficult position because we're dealing with the patient and the parent. So um, I've been working with cannabinoids for 15 years now, um, just doing work on all the different chemicals that you can derive from the cannabis plant what they all do because they have all very kind of unique properties, um, how they act in the body, the cells that they act at, the receptors, the proteins that they interact with, um, and trying to figure out what diseases certain cannabinoids might be best matched to. So uh, will this one work with this disease and that one work with that disease? So the, I've been looking at whether or not any of these compounds could be used as potential medications in different diseases like diabetes and stroke and more recently looking at whether or not cannabinoids or some of the chemicals from cannabis could be useful in cancer. My expertise in uh, absorption of drugs, distribution of drugs in the body and elimination of drugs from the body. So a major part of uh, research in my lab is about cannabinoids, how they absorbed, how they distributed in the body, how they excreted from the body. For example, one of the things that we found in research in my lab is that when cannabis is given orally with the dietary lipids, such as in cookies or with high-fat meal, the absorption profile of this cannabis is such that it's absorbed through lymphatic system instead of directly going to blood, 
and this can suppress immune system more than cannabis is consumed in other ways. So for example, if there is a cancer patient under chemotherapy and the immune system is already suppressed, so the last thing we want in these patients is further immunosuppression. So this is something to discuss with healthcare professionals before cannabis is consumed. It actually, that's very important. And I would strongly advise uh, people to go and seek this help. So there's an awful lot of evidence, what we call preclinical evidence, which is all the evidence that we get before we go into humans, into real patients. So there's a lot of preclinical evidence that almost all cannabinoid chemicals um, are anti-tumoral. So they kill cancer cells and they can reduce tumor growth in animal models of, um, of cancer. Um, and that's across human tissue and animal tissue. And really almost every, every cannabinoid that has ever been tested has been found to do this. But it is preclinical evidence, so it's just in a laboratory setting, um, these compounds kill cancer cells. And they do it by three, three kind of main mechanisms. They stop cells from growing, so they arrest growth, um, stopping them from multiplying. They also um, cause them to have self-programmed cell death, so they basically cause the cells to kill themselves. Um, and they also stop the fresh blood supply coming to a tumour. So um, there's always new uh, new blood, blood vessels that grow around a tumour and bring blood to it. And that means bringing nutrients and oxygen to it, which helps it to grow. Um, and another thing that cannabinoid chemicals can do is reduce that. There is some evidence, uh, some associations of uh, cannabis and certain cancers. For example, there was a paper that retrospectively looked at um, cannabis and testicular cancer and there seems to be an association there. So patients who smoked cannabis in particular for a long time or were recent smokers were perhaps a little bit more likely to develop testicular cancer. Well if you buy, if you get a drug prescribed from the pharmacist in this country you know what it is. It's labelled, it's uh, said it's this, the dose is that, we can rely upon it. If you get it from another source where there's no information like that, then it's very hard to give reliable advice. The content of it could be higher or lower or you don't know. There's no quality control. So actually as doctors giving professional advice, we can't really advise at all. And so that creates a rift between the patient wanting to try it and the doctor not being able to advise because we operate within certain boundaries and guidelines according to General Medical Council practice and the rules and regulations of the hospital in which we work. So mostly what you can find available is cannabidiol in different formats, so either as tablets or as gels or commonly as oil. Um, and a lot of this cannabidiol isn't actually extracted from the, sativa, uh, the cannabis sativa plant, which is the marijuana plant. A lot of it is extracted from hemp which is a very similar plant to cannabis sativa, to marijuana, but it actually doesn't contain THC, so it's not illegal. So it's easier for people, people can grow hemp, and then they can harvest the CBD from the hemp. So most of the CBD that's available on the internet is actually derived from hemp, from a different plant, it's like a cousin. Which doesn't mean it's not CBD, it just means it hasn't actually come from marijuana. It is poorly regulated. So what people think they might be getting, they actually then might be getting something completely different. There is no regulation. What is on the label might be not true. So for us, definitely the next step is to try and translate these 
results from what we find in in the lab and in the bench to in patients. So there's lots of you know individual cases where people have found. And speaking specifically about cannabidiol, individual cases where people have found that cannabidiol has worked for them or has slowed tumor progression. So what we need to do is now kind of test this in a controlled way. We know it works in the lab. Can we do a proper clinical controlled trial um, to show whether or not it works in humans? I mean, I think that has to be the next step. There's nothing, there's nothing stopping us translating into humans at this point. We know that these chemicals are not toxic. We know that, you know, they've been given to humans for, you know, probably 10,000 years now, but even in a medicine format, Sativex or Epidiolex or Nabilone, these are all, you know, cannabis-based medicines that have been given to people for a long time. We know the side effect profile. We know that they're not toxic. Drug companies have a finite budget and that's driven by how much they sell in the first place. And, uh, you know, if they were to launch a big trial, it might cost them many millions of quid. You know, it's, it's millions of pounds to license a drug. Now, the drug is, there is a drug already licensed, in fact, there's two or three, and it's whether those companies have got the investment available. So there is one company who have done one controlled trial in um, patients with brain tumours, and that was just published early this year. But otherwise, you have to have people who want to do the research, who want to sponsor the research, and clinical trials cost an awful lot of money. There is some evidence that uh, it could be could in the future be demonstrated to be effective in some brain tumours because cannabis does get into the brain. And the biggest challenge for treating any brain tumour with a drug is does it get into the brain? So cannabis gets into the brain, we know that. It could affect the way cells divide and multiply, uh, but the evidence that it works clinically just doesn't exist. And so there's need for research. I think the risks are that we don't really know yet exactly what cannabis does in cancer patients. And um, certainly there seems to be a difference between uh, smoked cannabis and ingested cannabis, especially with uh, certain oils. Um, in terms of positive sides, well, there's evidence that some drugs that have been developed on a cannabis basis um, are very, can be very helpful in patients who experience a lot of nausea and vomiting, for example. Um, a lot of patients find that cannabis can uh, have a positive impact on pain, uh, can have a positive impact on anxiety levels, etc. So, so I, I, I would heed, I would try and, and convey to young people to be cautious about what, what, they're, what they're reading on the internet and always, if they're worried about something, always come and talk to, to us. Um, what I always say to patients that if they use cannabis recreationally, um, then it helps me if, if, if I know that they're doing that just in case it has any impact on, on other drugs I would like to prescribe. <laughs>